welcome to Be The Dead Source, your home for never-ending religious conflict. My name's Nathan, your most uncomfortable host. <laughs> My name is Andy, your most... Why does the U.S. feel like it has to control everybody else in the entire world host? And I'm Pat, your Zionist host. And... Oh. How's your guys' weeks? Uh... Almost no rockets flying into my neighborhood this that's week, good. so that's been dope. Well, we laugh, but it is getting close to July 4th time, and fireworks will be going off starting soon. That's right. true. I've always thought that, like, if people were planning, like, a drive-by shooting or something, that they might as well plan it on the 4th of July, because you couldn't, dis- like, you couldn't recognize oh it God. from <laughs> all of the rockets going <laughs> I am 100% sure that that has been d- thought of and done. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say thought of and executed, but that seemed a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> um, um, and I will but say, then I said I don't it know. anyway, so... <laughs> I don't know if I've talked about it on the pod before, but I love fireworks. I I love fireworks as much as I hate parades. Ugh, I do that hate parades, much. but I also hate fireworks. <laughs> I am kind of over fireworks. I was very excited about fireworks for like the first 20 years of my life. And then now it's kind of sure. like, yeah, I've seen those. Like, they're cool. I'll still go and watch them, but I'm kind of yeah. over it. Hmm. I mean, so... I, they were cool when I was a kid. When I was like a teenager in like young whatever twenties, they were a great way to make out with with someone. Um, then you're not watching the fireworks. No, absolutely not. <laughs> or or you know afterwards yeah, at least. Sure. Then you know a- after like <laughs> that became no longer appealing. They just seemed like a very expensive waste for. A city that should be fixing roads and but goddamn like if I don't feel American teachers yeah. more. So like, like, do you have an idea? Like they spend they spend tens of thousands of dollars on those displays. One of those fireworks displays could hire another teacher for a year. At the yeah, school. but also stop being a wet blanket and uh, <laughs> just enjoy the explosions. Damn it! I'm just saying that it would be more patriotic to. Better educate our population. Eh, I don't know about but, that. Eh, but whatever. Eh. We could educate them to make their own fireworks. What can I say? I'm a joyless one. So I, I've had a pretty good week. I got to see my family finally um, since all the COVID yeah. stuff. Uh, I got to hug my family. Ooh. I got to see Ooh. my mom, my two sisters, my uh, sister's husband, my two young nephews so and they're all doing great i'm super excited for my sister because she has accepted a position with google oh nice oh which is super exciting i'm super happy for her just a little bit jealous but (laughs) we're gonna have to get some inside reporting i was gonna ask how do you feel about her just having like access to your search history anytime she wants. <laughs> um, I use incognito mode, so... <laughs> that doesn't do anything, as far as I, I know. Oh, and delete your internet history. <laughs> I know it doesn't do anything. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I mean, I think she's doing... There's, like, a new acquisition, and she's going to be doing, like, uh, customer relations with uh, new potential customers, like, uh, mapping out user interfaces for them. It's, like, all programming stuff that she's going to be doing but i'm very excited for her it sounds like a great position so ah, that sounds awesome it seems like a great gig yeah so congrats to katie and super yeah. happy to see 
yeah. all of my family. Um, you know, my nephews are getting big. I hadn't seen them in, like, gosh, almost a year since I had seen them last, and they're they're getting big. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing seeing them grow up and getting to see my sisters, getting to see my mom. Can I ask, does that position require a move for her at all? It does. So she's going to have to figure this out because she has to move to D.C. And they just bought a house in Texas. So her and her husband are living in Texas right now. And she's going to be going to D.C. What we're hoping for is that after she gets initially trained on the job, then she can do everything remotely. remotely. Yeah. Um, so she'll be able to move back to Texas. I'm just, you know, hoping and praying for the best for them that they'll be able to stick together. Because, like, I mean, they're recently married. It's a bummer for them to have to be apart for any amount of time. Yeah. So if he winds up having to move to D.C. or, they, you know, she gets to move back to Texas, whatever happens, I just hope that they get to be stay together and be close to one another. But we'll see. I'm trying to make a joke out of Lone Star State versus Known Star State. <laughs> not a state. Not not a state. <laughs> um, I feel like there's something in there. If I had more time, I'd, I'd get it. It didn't quite come together, but no. I appreciate it. <laughs> How's your guys' weeks? I, I, I don't want to talk about it very much. Uh, I got to see a bunch of my family this weekend. It was super exciting. Um, it was nice. an event that happened because of other things that have happened in our family recently. It was almost like a reunion, but a bunch of people were kind of sad at it. Mm. But sorry to hear. There was barbecue and so and Lexi bought the barbecue and did a pretty good job, I have to say. Did you guys do all vegan barbecue? Oh no yeah, no. No. <laughs> no. no, that's not no. what happened. No, but yeah. Uh it was yeah, it was we had a good time. It was nice to see them. I love being able to see my nephews now. My younger nephew, Milo, could not give less of a shit about me. He does not care about me at all. <laughs> but uh, Francis, my older nephew, uh, or as I call him, Frankenstein. It's alive! It's alive! He's seen me enough recently because of all of the awfulness where he looks forward to seeing me and... Yeah, it's nice to have, like, a relationship with him, the kind that I couldn't build during the pandemic, so. And the other thing I want to talk about uh, is masklessness at some places. Charlie works at a grocery store where they no longer require him to have a mask or their customers have a mask if they're fully vaccinated. And I've been to a couple of these places, and, like, at the wake, we... A lot of us went maskless. If I needed to go around any strangers or leave the restaurant or whatever, I threw one back on. I always had one in my pocket. But it's weird, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's been strange being able to go places and not have my face covered. I I still feel embarrassed about it. It's like I have my pants down or something like that. Right. I haven't had the maskless experience yet. I've still worn a mask everywhere I've gone. Mm. I mean, the reason I think that we feel that way is because no one around us knows that, like, it's not like we have our vaccine card pinned to our chest or anything. (laughs) I've been thinking about doing that. No one knows that we're vaccinated. So they see us with a mask off and they're just going, oh, please be vaccinated. Don't, like, be (laughs) sick and cough on me, you 
asshole. <laughs> like, I feel like it, I get I, it, I could, but also. <laughs> I feel like I could confirm that I'm vaccinated if I just wore, like, a Biden-Harris button around or something. <laughs> well, maybe we consider getting them tattooed on our foreheads. Hell yeah. I think that would that would work pretty well. Uh, Andy, what do, you, what do you got going on this week? Oh, no, not a whole lot. I'm, I'm doing a little dog sitting. Um, nice. I learned how to... Uh, how to do some video editing last week. Oh, yeah. So for our D&D campaign. Yeah. That was really impressive. I'm still blown away by the idea of space tractors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> space tractors. Yeah. You know, the same, the concept of digging up the soil is intergalactic. I think. You have to assume that they would have at least as good as tractor technology, if not better, <laughs> tractor technology right. a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But but maybe at the you know on the on the outskirts and the you know the outer rim there where uh, where all they get is the crappy <laughs> droids and the the John Deere tractors, which in that galaxy yeah, I've done some ones. video editing like over the last year or so and taught myself. And Andy, about, like, halfway through last week, with no context whatsoever, was like, hey, what video editing program do you use? And then I was like, well, I use this, and I use it this way. And we we have a few videos up on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash source, I believe. I can't remember if I actually gave us an address. Mini fact check. Yeah, that's nothing. Take a look in the doobly-doo for the actual link. Mini fact check. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like do a few of those, and like just really simple stuff. I'd say you exceeded what I generally do, Andy. Uh, it looked really good. Thank you. It's it's a skill I'm, I, I think I'm going to develop a little bit further. I'll, I, I want to try and put together uh, a little bit of animation maybe for the bads lads one of our like a mini episode or something like that for for us and see and and try my hand at it i'll see i i, I i'm not much of an artist so i would really kind of need to rely on on other pre-existing yep. images and things but uh cool anyway so that's that that's my new little endeavor well speaking of picking up new skills diplomacy is one that a lot of people that we're going to be talking about could use a little more of. We're talking about Palestine and Israel. How'd I do? Was that was that okay? Well, did I, right. Did, excellent. No, that was yeah, a great it. transition. Yeah. So it's kind of the buzz news story of the last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of rockets fired. There was like 11 days of heavy shelling on both sides, but I would say mostly on the Palestinian uh, side. Uh-huh. Um, uh, as in... And landing on the Palestinian side. Landing on the Palestinian side. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been all over the news. I mean, you kind of can't avoid it. Like, it's popped up in my YouTube feed. Right. Um, just all sorts of, like, everywhere that you get news, um, it's been Israel-Palestine. And so that's why I felt like it's time to talk about I it. I agree. But before we really get too deep into it, like, I, I, I feel like we just need to say... <laughs> out loud that we are in no way shape or form right. experts on this we have spent a few days of listening to other like and reading articles and listening to interviews and podcasts and and doing our, our whatever research that we do and scouring our sources but like we i nathan you said 
earlier something along the lines of like I learned just enough to realize how little I know about this issue. <laughs> right. I feel <laughs> like I've spent about a week preparing for this episode and I feel wildly less prepared <laughs> this week than I did last week because of how complicated this is. Mm-hmm. We are I think mostly this is a conflict that goes for millennia, but we are going to talk about about the last hundred years, I think mostly. Yeah, maybe even seventy-five. Like, yeah. Mo- well, I think the I think the strategy here is like the way that you get into a roller coaster and you're kind of strapped in and you you crest that first hill. Mm-hmm. Like the worst feeling is going up the hill, but <laughs> but after you start rolling, like you know, it's it's not as well. Bad. Uh, so, I think you know our goal here is is to go over kind of the, some of the basics of this issue and right. uh, and give you the listeners kind of a launching point to go down the rabbit holes further on your own i feel fairly confident that the vast majority of what you we are going to tell you is accurate <laughs> and will give you a good jumping off point mm-hmm. but i want you to think of this episode of beat it in source as a wikipedia page Maybe <laughs> trust but verify. Yeah. How about that? We're, we're going right. to put out our, our best effort here, but I'm sure we are going to miss so much mm-hmm. stuff. We don't have the full context just because of where we live and who we are, right. but we've done our our best faith effort to give you this information. I'm going to plug as many holes with fact checks as I can, but... But with that said, yeah. you know, I mean, let's <laughs> let's try and provide some context. So, like, what's the woo, Nathan? You alluded to it, you know, millennia of history here, um, which just kind of briefly, Jerusalem, which is within present day Israel, I believe, although and historic <clears throat> Palestine yeah. and historic Palestine. So, and, and and territory that Israel has relatively to this part of the story recently annexed so so jerusalem is this holy city right yeah everyone knows i think that (laughs) everyone listening to this podcast likely knows that except actually maybe not in india i don't know so jerusalem is the city uh actually pat you're the religious expert um what's the context of jerusalem sure so um this is where the the mount of olives and the temple of solomon are it's an extremely important holy site for all of the abrahamic religions but the period we're talking about it's you know the history of Judaism, it's the history of Christianity, it's the history that will come later of Islam, and it's got all of these holy sites all around, and it's got the third most holy site in all of Islam, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, right in the city. Mm-hmm. It's got, uh, you know, the site of the Temple of Solomon, which has uh, since been torn down and they're trying to rebuild. It's the historical homeland of the Jews, but I want to be clear that Judaism was not considered to be like a race. It was considered to be a religion for almost all of its history, and because of the genealogy of passing down Judaism through parentage, that it also became tied up into a race. But it's the holy land that was promised to 
Abraham's sons by God, the covenant between Abraham and God was that your sons will make many nations, and this is the holy land that was promised to them. It's also where they started. It's where they came from. It's the site that um, a lot of historians believe that the stories from the Bible were collated and turned into a single text. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the claim that this is the uh, Jewish homeland, that this is the, this land belongs to them, it's directly because it was promised to them mm-hmm. by God, like in biblical texts. But when we look at historical Jerusalem, historical Palestine, this was a multi-ethnic sort of melting pot city. It had right. Christians, it had Jews, it had Arabs, it had all these different people living in the same place. So what I'm trying to say is that it wasn't at that point a, an eth, a Jewish ethno state. Right. Like such a thing did not exist. Right. And and I mean throughout the years like this is the the city that uh the crusades were focused on. The Christians were trying fought to reclaim it multiple times. Jerusalem has been a focal point of religious conflict for millennia. So Fast forwarding to kind of the more modern era, right, after World War II and after the Holocaust and things like that and and all of that happened, um, the UN kind of wanted to, what, create basically a nation for the Jews, which was Israel. Yeah, and uh, can we talk for a second about why that might be? need to be because um you have this terrible human tragedy of genocide in the holocaust in europe you have six million jews that were killed but even before that you have this diaspora of jews that have lived in various countries throughout the years but frankly speaking they've been kicked out of a lot of places Mm -hmm. too right there oh yeah there are an awful lot of countries where they've been exiled from, or they've been enslaved. Or just generally or... persecuted to the point that they're driven out, you know? Yeah, and, and never having that homeland is part of the inspiration of why the UN said, like, you know, okay, well, we're, gonna, we're going to annex this territory and uh, make it Israel. So there was a 1917 British occupation... Uh, the Sinai and Palestine campaign prior to World War II. And then in 1948, Israel became this independent state that was recognized by the UN. And that's that's what we think of as modern-day Israel. Um, right. A little bit before that, um, there was this brand-new movement called Zionism. And it was the idea that uh, this was like late 19th century, that um, Jews should have a homeland, that they should have a place where they can't be kicked out of, and that that's going to be important for their survival. Previous to that, you know, they hadn't been in Jerusalem for literally thousands of years. Like, they had been kicked out by the Romans, and... That territory had then become the Ottoman Empire and then was conquered by the British. So it's 
the the land claims to say that Israel belongs to the Jews is reaching back really far into history, reaching back 2,000 years, basically, in history. Which... <laughs> it sounds like you wanted uh, one of us to jump in there. <laughs> no, I mean, I, if you guys don't have anything to add, I mean, that, um, the next thing that it takes us to... Well, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> You've been quiet. So, well, yeah, no, uh, what I wanted to talk about is the... UN decision to split up the territory. And part of the problem is a lot of this stuff, and this is what we talked about at the beginning, is like, we're going to get some of this wrong. We're not going to get the context for some of this. The problem with creating a Jewish state and uh, giving those people that land is uh, a bunch of people already lived on that land. Right. Like, there are already people who had lived and farmed on these properties for hundreds of years sometimes. Their families had had lived there, and it was taken away from these Palestinians, and they were sort of forced to move someplace else. The other problem is the UN, I I don't know what the qualifications were, how they made the decisions, but there were more Palestinians at the time than there were Jewish people, but Jewish people were given more land than the Palestinians were given. And the Palestinians rejected the offer. They did not take it. But they weren't given a choice. They were forced off the land. And uh, basically because they rejected that later on, uh, Israel took even more land than the UN agreement had given them in the first place. And it's been this sort of ongoing thing since then. Yeah. Well, and there was um, there was kind of a, a big treaty, I think, in the 70s that, that Egypt, I think, had a big part in. Um I don't know much about it. The fun thing about that treaty, if I understand it correctly, is uh, it gave Jews whose land in eastern Jerusalem had been taken away from them, from their families, it gave them the right to take that land back. What it did not do was give Palestinians whose land had been taken away from them in western Jerusalem the ability to take that land back. Hmm. It was very one-sided from what I understand. Well, and this this event, I would like to point out, is referred to in the Arab world as the Great Calamity. Oh, yeah. Um, I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) That seems about right. Yeah, and it refers to the 1948 Palestinian exodus. So, I mean, you know, the way way that we view this is going to be very different from the way that this is taught in textbooks in all of the Arab world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Certainly. And I, like, and... We should say, and we're going to get into this more later, but one of the main reasons that we are having the modern-day problems of these attacks right now is because there are Jewish landowners who are trying to take land that was given to Palestinians in the 50s back and put Mm -hmm. that land in the hands of uh, Jewish people. It's not good. Well, is that skipping ahead, or do we we want to go to that? That um, works for me, too. Well, I mean, there, there's the 1967 Six-Day War and the 1979 Egypt-Israel peace treaty. Um, but, I mean, I think that those are f- fairly short. Um, I think one of them was about six days. Right. <laughs> so the this is the conflict between Egypt and Israel. And Israel uh, just had, like, a technological advantage and a surprise advantage and... 
basically just conquered very quickly uh, the territory that had previously been held by Egypt. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Eventually culminating in the Egypt-Israel peace treaty Okay. in 79. So, I mean, all right, this is in the 70s, but, like, so since then, Israel is now a ostensibly a democracy they've they've been having a lot so one of the things that's been causing tension leading up to this specific recent pop-off right because we've now well established that there's been tension here for a long time for a number of reasons both religious and pragmatic and yeah geopolitical and like there's it's it's a whole a whole jumble of of factors at play here which obviously like we said it's really complicated right so israel is a democracy it's pretty much run by this guy benjamin netanyahu and he's the prime minister he's not the president he's the prime minister but he's pretty much the guy who runs everything there and he's kind of this i don't know if if far right wing but like right wing guy i think that's um, fair yeah, he, I, I mean that's fair he's pretty authoritarian he's and and the u.s has been in bed with him and and with israel in general since inception we have been generously basically funding <laughs> we 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 pretty much made the israel army and it is a heck of a military that they have that we've provided them. Um, we've been giving them money and weapons for a very, very long time. Well, let's give some context here because the Jewish American mm. voting block in the United States, you have to take it. You, you can, you simply cannot win a national election or even a local election in a lot of places without uh, being able to appeal to Jewish voters. Right. We, we have the second highest population of Jews in the world after Israel, and before the formation of Israel, we had the highest. Exactly. Sure. You know. And so, because of that, the idea of criticizing Israel in any way, any way at all, is forbidden, off the table, for yeah. American politicians. And so, we are the most powerful uh biggest economic power on the planet and Israel has us in their pocket like well, completely to, to further to put some numbers to this so in 2019 the United States provided 3.8 billion with B billion dollars in military aid to Israel and then also in the same year 8 billion dollars in American loan guarantees which basically is like we will lend you this money in order for you to buy right. American weapons. Which, yeah, American weapons, meaning weapons produced by American manufacturing companies, mm -hmm. they were just funneling our tax dollars into the hands of private business owners and weapons manufacturers. And, I mean, there's, there's good reason to do that if you consider that Israel is, like, our strongest ally in the Middle East. It's a seat of power for the U.S. in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. It's a source of stability. Sure, if you don't give a shit about it, you know, human a lot rights, of the neighboring then countries, it makes strategic sense. Yeah. Well, just from a from a geopolitical 
military strategy point of view, you know, if you don't consider the neighboring countries to be particularly friendly. Which we don't. You know, it, it makes sense that we're funneling all this money. But another key issue that we're going to run into very quickly is, you know, not only who are your friends, who are your allies geopolitically, but who do you consider to be like a human being? Who do you consider to have human rights? And I think right. that that's, that's going to be a big thorn that's going to come really quickly when we start talking about these forced evictions. I don't know if you right. guys are ready well, to move and, on to that yet. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's another one of the the things, one of the factors going on that, that sparked this is there was a, a, a Supreme Court case in Israel, I believe, mm-hmm. that like authorized these evictions of Palestinians from their homes on, I think, the West Gaza, right? West Bank. West Bank. Yeah. West Bank and, and Gaza are two different right. neighborhoods, but yeah. So um, right. this is in Sheikh Jarrah, which is in, in the West Bank. Right. And a but very... This, right. It, from what I understand, Palestinians had been given the right to live in these places back in the 50s, but mm-hmm. the land was technically held, like, they, the law wasn't written the right way, basically, so Jewish people still technically held on to the land, and so now those people are trying to, the decision has been made in court, They're, they want to move the Palestinians out, take advantage of this loophole, and move Jewish people in to control more of the area. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a difference between who owns the land, like, locally, and who has sovereignty over the land, right? Right. And so it has Israeli sovereignty. They they control that territory. But for all intents and purposes, yeah, I mean, that those homes belonged to the Palestinians who lived there. I mean, there's... It's, it's really difficult for you to make the legal argument. Apparently they did in the Supreme Court of Israel, but it's really hard to make the legal argument that the people who were living there did not own those properties. Well, I, you know, in right, the local and, sense. Well, and based on the history, would I give a who the Supreme Court thinks owns the land based on our history, based on like land being taken away from my family in the past, based on me having now lived on this land 50, 60, 70 years? I think if you live there, it's nothing but a slap in the face. And these people have basically said, many of them have said, we don't care what the law says. We are not moving. Right. So I want to point out here that the UN also in the Fourth Geneva Convention has said that an occupying force cannot displace the local population in, in by eviction. Right. So the settlements that are being built is one thing. People getting kicked out of their house has been condemned by the UN. And Israel basically said, like, we don't care. We're going to do what we want anyway. Right, exactly. Right, but (laughs) but the important point here is that this was a clear violation of international human rights. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I just want to make sure that that's said in the conversation about the the forced evictions yeah can we move on to the next part yeah no absolutely um so (laughs) there's so much going on in this area right now it's insane um so another thing that's been going on is that ramadan just wrapped up and jerusalem day happened around the same time and Mm -hmm. Ramadan is a Muslim holiday, and towards the end of that, there were 
I guess, like, Israeli police or Israeli, like, gangs, I'm not entirely clear. Uh, they might be one and the same, kind of like they it's, are it's, here. Uh, it's not... It's a political <laughs> It's a political movement. There there might be police in it, but it's... Okay. Uh, the the Jerusalem Day March was uh, you know right wing Israeli uh, pol- political groups that that wanted to do this march. And to be clear, that march specifically to antagonize the Palestinians goes through Palestinian neighborhoods. Right. So mm-hmm. this is that that march is specifically intended to like get people's hackles. This up. is this would be like if Trump and his supporters went and had. A straight pride parade right down the middle of you know New York Avenue on Pride, like in the middle of Pride, <laughs> because Jerusalem Day is celebrating the day that Jerusalem was what given to Israel, I think, as or something like that. H- how does it work yeah. exactly? But That's, it's like it's, a it celebrates a military conquest. It's a it's it, specifically it a Israel yay Pal- a Palestine. Boo holiday. Boo. <laughs> I, I believe it's the 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 victory of the six day war. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to fact check. All right. Just to be clear and specific, Jerusalem Day is a minor religious Israeli holiday that celebrates the reunification of Jerusalem under Israeli control after the six day war in 1967. This was the first time Jews controlled the whole of Jerusalem since the destruction of the Second Holy Temple by the Romans in 70 AD. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. Right, and these things weren't, like, intended to conflict. The thing is, the where Ramadan lands on the calendar changes from year to year. It shifts. Hmm. And so... Ramadan and Jerusalem Day don't always overlap. But, but it wasn't particularly like, sensitive to it either. But yeah. Exactly. It's like they took advantage of the fact that there was going to be this overlap to like let's let's be clear. Israel wants this land. Israel wants to kick the Palestinians off this land that they see as theirs because they're the chosen people. And what are you doing on our land? Better comparison would be when Trump wanted to have a rally in Tulsa on Juneteenth. In the presidential campaign, Mr. Trump defended his plans for a campaign rally on June 19th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The day is known as Juneteenth and commemorates the end of slavery. And Tulsa was the site of a white-on-black massacre in 1921. But in a Fox News interview, the president dismissed the criticism. You can really think about that very positively as a celebration, because a rally to me is a celebration. It's going to be really a celebration, and it's an interesting date. It wasn't done for that reason, but it's an interesting date, but it's a celebration. <laughs> sure. Right. Like, yeah. it's not... It's bad. Uh, I think we're not... We're, we're probably not going to find an ideal Trump <laughs> comparison, that's fine. because this is real bad. Right. It's incredibly so, bad. So, these... These two, um, I guess, <laughs> groups of people, the, the Muslims who are, uh, leaving their, their mosque from celebrating, from, from a Ramadan service and these Israeli Jerusalem Day March celebrators, ce- celebrators? Uh, I like celebrators. It's definitely not right, but sure. They basically got into a riot. Well, I want to clarify that Jerusalem March was the next day oh, when okay. the, 
Al Al Aqsa Mosque incident occurred, and what they were trying to do was they were trying to make this path safe for the march. They so the night before, which was during Ramadan, they wanted to clear out this mosque, which had hundreds and hundreds of people inside, in order to clear the way that 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 march should go smoothly. And so what they what they did was the police, the Israeli police went into this mosque and started clearing people out with uh you know tear gas and right. uh, while they were trying to celebrate Ramadan while they were trying to celebrate not Ramadan it was done under the bullshit guys that oh there's too many people here we need to like clear out some of these people like no it was it was clearly done just to mess with their celebration mm-hmm. So it's a ton bad. of people were injured. I would have to look and see if anyone was killed in that initial clash. I don't think that they were. Mini fact check. On the last day of Ramadan, Israeli police broke into the Al-Aqsa Mosque to clear it for the next day's Jerusalem Day March through the Old City. Over 300 people were injured in the attack, but there were no deaths. Those trying to flee, including the elderly, disabled, and those injured in the actual attack, we're given no time to clear the building. There will be additional information in the doobly-doo, including some pretty hard videos to watch of the incident. Mini fact check. But it, it was it was a very well, bad look. But, but you had these Israeli police with, you know, <laughs> lethal weapons and tear gas and stuff like that. And then you had the Muslims who were throwing rocks. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was just—it was lopsided. It was—it was dozens hurt. So I don't—I don't think anyone was killed. Okay. Uh, 163 Palestinians and six Israeli police officers were hurt in clashes in Jerusalem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, nobody killed yet, but a very bad look for the Israeli uh, police. Mm-hmm. And so at this point. I mean, so in addition to like all of the all of these historical tensions, there's the evictions, there's the riot, basically at uh, the at the the mosque. What's it? Al Aqsa. Al Aqsa. Al Aqsa mosque. Yeah. And so what happens? Hamas steps in and sort of hijacks this whole thing and makes yeah, it so about let's... them. Let's start off with just some like basic information. So who who is Hamas? So Hamas Does anyone want to field that? Totally. Hamas is two things. <laughs> so on one hand, Hamas is a terrorist organization. It is a pro-Palestinian anti-Israel organization. They are violent terrorists, but they are also the government of Gaza which is another region within Israel. So they, where they are being oppressed right. by the oppressive Israeli government. Well, and, and presumably the reason... So they were elected in in the mid-2000s, and the reason they were elected in is because Palestinians kept on getting harassed by Israeli police. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it it... This frustration gathers among people and they think maybe Hamas can do something about it. So boom, they vote him in. And Hamas is not actually good at governing 
But to be fair, they aren't really given an opportunity because Israel is doing everything they can to to, to f with them. There, there's there's a um, still going on a f um, blockade. Yeah, there's a blockade. Israel is currently blockading Gaza. Israel has been yeah. illegally, you know, doing all sorts of um, like illegal human rights violations against the Palestinians that live in Israel from Jerusalem to everywhere. Well, so uh, so this this organization, it's an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, they are supposedly funded by Iran, like that they're um, supported financially by mm-hmm. Iran. And um, the foundation of their organization includes anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. Like, their, their stated purpose is to free Palestine from the occupation of Israel to... Oh, right. To drive... They're definitely not... Yeah, they're not good guys. Yeah, to drive all of the Jews out of that land. And for just to, for some context... The United States considers them terrorists. Israel considers them terrorists. Other like countries around the world uh, consider them terrorists. But the UN does not. And so it gives them uh, an amount of credibility that they wouldn't have otherwise. So the, the organization Human Rights Watch has classified or de- made a statement that it, the way Israel treats the Palestinians and discriminate against Palestinians qualifies it as apartheid. Maybe not quite like South African apartheid, but it, the Human Rights Watch organization, and I think they would know, that's what they, how they described it. That's how they categorized it. But like an ethnically motivated dispossession of people from their land in, in that sense. I mean, among other violations, yeah. Sure. Um, but I also want to make clear that all of the people living in the West Bank, all of the people living in Gaza, are not all Hamas. Right. You have your normal everyday citizens, you have people that are just trying to live their lives peacefully, and then you also have Hamas. Right. So um, they're not one in the same thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, Hamas is, is is. I mean, it's a terrorist organization, and not everyone there is an extremist. But they right. they are the government. They are the government that was elected in, right. and so they do at least represent a majority of the uh, <laughs> declared interests of the people. Like, and the thing is that they have primary. Like I mentioned earlier, that they're not good at governing. And part of that is because of uh, a large part of that is because of what Israel has been doing, like put like oppressing them. But you know they're not staying in power by governing well. They're staying in power because they're the only group that'll stand up to Israel, and Israel is there oppressing all the people who live in that area. So you know the as far as they're concerned, Hamas is basically their Joe Biden. <laughs> So I want to take a quick microcosm of how life is different for people in, like, mainland Israel and people who are settlers in the West Bank. Um, how yeah, that, please. How that life contrasts to everybody else that lives in Gaza and the West Bank. And the microcosm is vaccines. So um, COVID-19 vaccines, this is a big 
uh, push that Netanyahu took responsibility for is that, like, I want Israel to be one of the best vaccinated countries in the world. I want to be one of the first ones who gets back to business and normal as normal, um, you know, restore our GDP. Um, people no longer need to mask. And so he took this initiative where he got. I think 5 million doses of the vaccine that he was buying them out from everywhere that they that they could and now Israel is on the top of the metrics it's one of the best vaccinated places in the world but not for Palestinians none of those vaccines were then given to people in occupied territories except for the settlers living in occupied territories if you are an ethnic Jew living in those territories, you can get a vaccine. If you are an Arab person who is living in the occupied West Bank, you can't get a vaccine. And the government that represents you that's there is unable to get vaccines either. So mm. they're calling this the vaccine apartheid. And there's some truth to that. Well, and we didn't really mention, we mentioned Netanyahu's name earlier. We didn't mention that he's currently on trial for massive amounts of corruption. Oh, yeah. In Israel, a new prime minister, Naftali Bennett, formally took office, ending Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year rule. Right. And well, <laughs> that gives you an idea of, like, the type of leader he is. Well, yeah, and the type of, of following he has. I mean, there's a reason why he and... Trump got along so well, um, and yeah. and they did. And Trump did this big thing where he he moved the U.S. embassy to for Israel to Jerusalem, to basically which um, and I think we even talked about this on an episode at one point, which um, really it it was basically backing Israel. Yeah, it's f you Palestine is yeah. what it was. Uh, yeah, and it was because. Donald Trump is a creature who only cares about power, and he knew that that move would get him in with Jewish Americans, or at least a big chunk of them. Yeah, but I will say I a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff that Israel is doing right now is in some ways starting to backfire because traditionally people would not stand up to Israel at all. They they wouldn't say anything, but and granted, it's like. She's she's far out there for an American politician, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, apartheid states are not democracies, and straight up called Israel an apartheid state. Mm -hmm. uh, Cori Bush has come out and spoken up against Israel. A number of people have stood up, and we're finally having the conversation, at least uh, here in the U.S., that... We can criticize Israel and not be anti-Semitic at the same time mm -hmm. because that so is I do, the brush that's been painted in the past. I do want to talk a little bit about the right-wing backlash to those exact comments, though, because right. on in the right-wing media, um, even in the international right-wing media, you'll see like there's a lot of backlash to that. You'll see um, that people are saying like there's a lot of both sides-ism. That like you know both both sides have done something wrong, but their narrative about this is that Israel has a right to defend itself, that yeah. Israel has a right to exist, and that what are you talking about? You're talking about 
terrorists who are uh, shelling Israel with rockets. So to just put some balance out there, like that is the narrative that a lot of people are getting and accepting is right. that, like to criticize Israel is to say that Israel doesn't exist. Well, or to criticize Israel and, is to, to side with terrorists. Okay, but none of those things are, are not true. Those three things you said are, are not true. I mean, Israel um, does have... I mean, uh, Hamas did fire the rockets at Israel. They were the aggressor. That was yes. They did. Um, they did fire the rockets first. Israel does have a right to defend. Like, and in Israel has a right yeah, to exist. Like, those are not things that I sure. disagree with. It's just that that's not the whole picture. Let's throw some picture on this, then, shall we? So, I do want to say the Joe Biden administration for the like over a week after this started said nothing, absolutely um, nothing, except Israel has the right to defend itself as yeah. as Israel was killing indiscriminately women and children and bombing different neighborhoods. Not One a great of the reasons look we know, for a guy who campaigned on foreign policy from a human rights perspective. Yeah, it's real bad. Uh, they've, they've started doing some mild stuff, um, but Israel is full of shit. Because they keep saying that they are only bombing Hamas and they're willing to go into crowded neighborhoods to, to go after them. But uh, the people from the Associated Press got a phone call about an hour before their building was destroyed saying, there's Hamas in the building, you need to get out right now because that building won't be there in an hour. And Israel destroyed the Associated Press building. Hmm. Associated Press knew full well that Hamas was not in the building. They they knew that for a fact, but Israel wanted an excuse to take out an, an international news organization so that they would maybe not look as bad. It, it was an ironic choice. but and, uh, and by the way, caught all on live television. Absolutely, because you gave them an hour's notice. Like there's, there's interviews with reporters with bombs going yeah. off in the background. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. Like, So here's the thing. Israel is the bad guy here. There's no other way to look at it because in this specific situation, Israel with their with their bombings, so they have something called the Iron Dome. And whenever mm -hmm. Hamas launches rockets into Israel, which I am not okay with, I want to be abundantly clear, I am not okay with, 90% of those missiles are caught by this it, the Iron Dome is basically rockets shot at these rockets to stop them from coming into Israel. Mm -hmm. So that sucks. Uh, Hamas does not have the same technology, the same level of technology that Israel does. So their rockets are totally random. And they are absolutely going to kill random people when they land. And that is awful. Having said that, Israel, in a 48-hour period towards the beginning of this, uh, with their bombing, killed more Palestinians than Palestinians had killed Israelis in a decade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over two days, they killed more Palestinians had killed in a decade. It's ridiculous. So the, it's hard It's hard to see Israel as the good guys in any way here. Well, and they're not defending themselves by randomly just straight up lying about who they're attacking, attacking uh, people in the West Bank. It's, it's awful. Okay, so, so here's the idea I want to bounce off of you. So as a military strategy, as an imbalanced power, um, right. you know, that, that uh, Hamas is 
way outgunned, way outclassed in military spending as a guerrilla tactic, a lot of the argument against Hamas and against um, what they're doing here is that they're they're hiding in civilian areas, they're hiding in hospitals, they're hiding uh, arguably in the AP building. It, you you might be able to tear that <laughs> right. argument up, but um, you know that that people are saying like you know these are terrorists. They're using children as human shields. What's your response to that? I I would love to be able to trust that that information is correct, but we we know it's not. We know at least some portion of it is not, and so how right. can we trust any of it? Uh, like right. I mean, from the Israeli point of view, all they have to do is point at a random structure, or a house, or whatever, destroy it, and be like, "Up, oh, this Hamas probably rockets and stuff in there." It's like Republicans with it. And how how would we, how would we yeah how would we confirm it? Like we we know for a fact that they have lied about some of it, and there's no way of us knowing how much of it they lied about. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Israel is always like always bad. I'm not even saying they don't have a right to defend themselves. I'm saying that's not what this is. Well, I think so. It's a weird situation where there's, I mean, you you say Israel's not the good guy, and I don't disagree with that, but I accept to say that there is no good guy. Right. Hamas also not the good guy. Right. I want to be clear about, like, these are just two aggressors that are standing off against each other. And Hamas knows damn well that they are wildly outgunned. They right. are fully aware that their rockets are mostly not getting through. So why why the f*** do they fire them off when they were not being threatened or anything? There were just some, some like, skirmishes and and things going on in Jerusalem and Hamas over in Gaza decided to fire off some some missiles. Like, they, it, they were not a part of it. They inserted themselves. So the question is, why? When they know how outgunned they are. They know that their missiles can't get through. Well, but what's going to happen? Israel's going to retaliate. And it's going to drum up some sympathy for the Palestinians and Hamas, because uh, look at the big bully Israel beating up on us. And right. It's working. It's it's working. But that's absolutely. I think there's a good argument to be made that what's happening right now looks a lot like victory for Hamas, because there's there's no guarantee how much Hamas gives a shit about the Palestinians either. Right. In terms of like in terms of using them as uh, tools, like using random civilians as tools. Because they're all martyrs. They're pawns in this game of right. chess. So let's let's start out with like just a base of of numbers. So the rockets that Hamas fired into Jerusalem, twelve people were killed, civilians, and in the West Bank, the precision strikes that Israel leveled against like residential buildings, the AP building, including a building that was for the Palestinian Children's Fund. Um, they've killed 200 Palestinians and at least 68 children. Hmm. Yeah. So, which is not really a propaganda victory for Israel. And they did it intentionally. They specifically part of the argument is they are able to target very specifically where these attacks go, and they did. Right. And they killed 60 plus children. So. Off Israel, and they ki- they also killed at least nine Hamas 
insurgents. I mean, th- yeah. that much we know because they buried nine Hamas insurgents. They might have buried more that they couldn't dig out of the tunnels that they bombed. But, you know, I mean, that it, it's a disproportionate response. This is what you call, you know, uh, disproportionate warfare. Well, so right. that word has a specific meaning with war crime implications. And I don't know that this necessarily actually meets the qualifications for that. I don't really know what they are exactly. Um, but disproportionate is a very specific term with implications. What is the virtue of a proportional response? It isn't virtuous, Mr. President. It's all there is, sir. It is not all there is, sir. Admiral Fitzgerald. Excuse me, Leo. Uh, pardon me, Mr. President. Just what else is it? The disproportional response. Let the word ring forth from this time and this place, gentlemen. You kill an American, any American, we don't come back with a proportional response. We come back with total disaster. Sure. I mean, I can I can look at what that means, but I mean, just in the normal meaning, the normal functioning of the sure, word disproportionate, yeah, absolutely. it's a disproportionate response. Agreed. I mean, right. If, if they had killed nine of these people and one child had died... Not worth it. So killing over 200 people and you got nine? F- you. You're real bad at your jobs. Uh, right. So um, there's <laughs> there's more to it. There's more layers to this whole <laughs> thing. Oh, good. Let's yeah. let's open up um, another can of worms. Another, another factor here is that um, so we talked about some of the other tensions in the Middle East and Israel's next door neighbor is Iran, which mm-hmm. they don't get along too great. And that is yet another reason why U.S. foreign policy, well, you know, the U.S. has, has tended to gravitate towards Israel um, another reason why Trump wanted to cozy up to Israel because he wanted to take a hard line on Iran and he wanted, I think, you know, now you're dealing with a potential anyway, nuclear power, you know, supposedly they're not far, I guess. I don't know. And you're also bringing in, not, you know, now you're in spheres of influence for Russia as well. So, other countries in the Middle East, Afghanistan, and what what have you. So, I mean, there's a huge ripple effect if the U.S. reduces their backing of Israel. I don't know what could happen, but I will say that, and I'm, I kind of alluded to this earlier on, but Israel's been having trouble actually forming a government. They've been having electoral difficulties uh, for quite a while now, Along with the uh, the the um, prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu being um, a huge f- criminal, so like <laughs> if they if their PR like if they keep doing shit like this, they're going to lose the support of the U.S. backed international community, and they are going to be up sh- creek. But I've heard an argument that this plays into Netanyahu's hand because with all of this chaos happening 
And there, there's an argument, at least in Israel, that we need a strong man to get us through this and make sure that we don't have these problems in the future. And who cares if he was corrupt or not? He's the yeah. man we need to be able to take care of this. Right, like a security narrative, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I th- I mean there's definitely, like, he might, it might help him hold on to some power for a little while longer. But I think the, like, if you zoom out, the, the trend the overall trend is going to be downward. No, and I think you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. So just to continue beating this yeah. horse, there's there's a ceasefire. Hey, you said the name. Hey, it's the name of the pod. <laughs> or kind of. There's a ceasefire. So after 11 days of rocket firing back and forth between both sides, mostly Israel bombing the West Bank and Jerusalem, there's the ceasefire that is called. And both sides agree to it. Uh, Hamas agrees to it. And immediately, there, so there is a celebration again at the Al-Aqsa Mosque where Palestinians have gathered in order to celebrate this victory or celebrate this ceasefire that they, that they view as a, a victory for them. And, Wait, and let, uh, me, and let me guess, everything goes smoothly. Everything goes great. Because okay. it's immediately broken up with rubber bullets, <laughs> stun oh, okay. grenades, yeah. and tear gas by the Israeli police. Just, like, in blatant disregard to this ceasefire. I guess to them the ceasefire just meant rockets <laughs> and not, uh, you know, we can still rubber bullet and, uh, you know, beat citizens, like fire water cannons at citizens. Um I do want to be clear, once the international community started, like, clamoring for the ceasefire, the response from the Biden administration was <laughs> was that Israel has the right to defend itself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, which, which seemed pretty tone deaf to a lot of people, but, I mean, you have to contextualize that in this very strong Israeli-American alliance, that we have a very close friendship with this country. Well, and that criticizing them is basically unheard of, like to the right wing. Yeah, that is that is blasphemy. You know. Well, I think this might be a good point to bring up a particular Republican's comments. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene oh, uh, coming out with a bold statement saying that mask wearing is equivalent to the Holocaust. And then I, th- I thought you were going to go with the Jewish space lasers. Oh no, that was that was before. This has happened in the <laughs> in the last few days. And then she was given a chance to apologize and she doubled down. I said nothing wrong, and I think any any rational Jewish person didn't like what happened in, in Nazi Germany and any rational Jewish person doesn't like what's happening with overbearing mass mandates and overbearing vaccine policies. So Huzzah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And the fun part is these Republicans that that stand with Israel no matter what, almost none of them have come out and said anything against what she said. So they can go f*** themselves. I think Nancy Pelosi's response to that was that, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene can shut up anytime that she wants to. <laughs> I mean, that's good. And it's because... Half of the Republic. I want to make this super quick. Half the Republicans have still either not been vaccinated or are unwilling to document that they've been unvaccinated. And so uh, Nancy Pelosi 
has said, all right, until we know uh, the appropriate number of people in the, in the house has been vaccinated, we need to leave this mask mandate in place. And so Marjorie Taylor Greene refuses to wear a mask and got fined, I believe, $10,000 and then came out and uh, compared mask wearing to the Holocaust, which is a totally normal thing to say. Well, she's a totally normal person, so. That's nearly exactly what Gina Carano was saying, except it's about masks. Yeah, well, uh, she's full of too. <laughs> so, back to Israel, Palestine, etc., etc. Etc., etc., etc. Like, mm-hmm. there's... There's not really a good... There's... I don't... What's... There... <laughs> there have been okay, what's the let good me, let way me, for this like how does this end well at all let me help you out here so there's there's been several uh proposed solutions historically there's the one state solution there's the two state solution yeah um, do we no. open up do we open up democracy to everyone living in that territory and really i mean as americans it's not necessarily our business of who gets to govern that area, but we can have an opinion as to like what would be the best solution um, to all parties involved. But I mean, you have to think about like if we're going to say it's a one-party democratic solution and we're going to let everybody vote, you have to accept the idea that one party or the other, like either Israel or uh, Hamas, is going to reach a majority and be able to vote in the same kind of uh, apartheid government that we've been afraid of the whole time. Um, But, I mean... (laughs) Or that already exists. That already exists. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I mean, ideally, you know... I believe in democracy. I believe that everybody should have a say in the way that they're governed and that the government should come from the consent of the governed. Um, but, I mean, this is... I'm good with all that. This is a, this is a thorny situation. Like, what do you, what do, you do when that uh, democratically elected government is either the right-wing Israeli government or is literally Hamas and their credo is we are going to eradicate the Jews you know well I don't know I if mean, that's it but they certainly don't like they they want access to their holy land you know they're being oppressed yeah. out of their holy land and I mean the problem is that it's everybody's whole here's the thing I mean, I mean Jerusalem is like a a microcosm of like the larger conflicts um but like really ultimately if you're asking who gets to rule jerusalem what you're really asking is or the question that those <laughs> that that's really interpreted as is who is really the chosen people right because it's a holy right. land so yeah if- no it, you you can't make that so here's here's my suggestion and I want to point out that at the beginning of the episode, I said I was a dumb <laughs> on this stuff. And I want to reiterate that I am still a dumb My mind could totally be changed. Uh, but you have to have you have to have sh- shared control over Jerusalem. You, right. you, it can't be in the hands 
of one or the other. And I think ultimately, because we have stuck our nose into this thing for as long as we can remember, it's going to require either the United States or um, some other group to come in and basically take control of Jerusalem and be a neutral party in Mm -hmm. Jerusalem. And it's everybody's city. Come on in. Do whatever you need to do. Nobody nobody has control over it. Um, I mean, I mean, because we can we can we continue to have an apartheid government where Palestinians just have no say in the way that they're governed and they have no rights and they can't even necessarily get clean water or vaccines because of an occupying force like if if we say like well you know it's none of our business wash our hands of it like we're kind of endorsing that solution where uh, you know right now they have no say in the quote-unquote democracy the democracy is among israelis and where where is israel getting the rockets that they're firing right yeah, so I, I mean, mean we're we, not really we have, a neutral party. No, not we are even not in a any little way. bit. We are very firmly on the side of Israel, and that's starting to come unglued just a little. Like the let's, I mean, the edges are coming undone a little bit. Saying, but like we are, I mean, what have we been saying this whole time? What has what is the most Joe Biden has said? He said. uh Israel has the right to defend itself. I don't. I I think he said something that was like, also, we don't want Palestinians to die. But like that was <laughs> that took it took a I mean, while. I endorse that. Yeah, no, that was I'll like weeks that. later too. So it's kind of weak sauce. It's bull- but yeah. Well, no, but it's bull- because, but the other fun because- the other fun thing to throw into this is while this whole conflict has been going on, the U.S. announces a seven hundred and fifty million dollar deal. For weapons with Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe Biden is not the guy to to break us from Israel. He's never going to be because Joe Biden no. is a big time corporate Democrat who is going to basically do the bidding of the uh, you know the the powers that be the the the, the world trade my my world trade syndicate uh, thing again, but like. Um, Israel and and specifically um, Netanyahu are going to play ball with the that group with the base you know the quote unquote capitalists that's not really what they are but that's how they call or they like to call themselves free marketeers and like right. but that's not really what they're after they're after being able to go in and dominate and buy up an entire industry within countries by having a government that works with them. And if Netanyahu is going to work with them, they're going to keep him in power and keep backing him. And if a Hamas slash Iran friendly government were in power that wouldn't want to play ball with them, they would have to overthrow it. And they, (laughs) yeah. So I want to, I want to bring up one idea because I've heard this, like independently from a few different sources and it seems reasonable to me knowing the kind of person that Netanyahu is and how he would respond there is an excellent chance that the Biden administration has been aggressively moving forward with diplomatic relations behind the scenes to get this done 
but knowing full well that calling forcefully for a ceasefire would only make Netanyahu look weak, and then he would have to respond by possibly just not doing it. Hmm. And so I think this is the kind of thing that we don't get to know about until Joe Biden writes his book hmm. after he gets out of power. But there is an excellent chance that even, there's a difference between no diplomacy or not working towards a solution and us not seeing that happen. Right. Sure. And I just want to, I just want to throw that out as maybe a thing. I'm not like, I swear to God, I'm not trying to defend the Joe Biden administration, but I do want to throw that out there as an option. I think it's plausible. We know, right. And we know this has happened in the past in a variety of different, different diplomatic uh, situations with different administrations. So, it's totally possible that that's what's happening here, and we're just all in the yeah, dark. Sure. I mean, and, and with Joe Biden himself, I mean, he spent a lot, a long time in the Senate, and then also eight years as vice president, dealing with, um, you know, on not headline foreign diplomatic relations. Right. He's been doing that for decades, so you know that I I, I, I find that plausible. I, I don't know that I lean towards that. All right. But I would, you know, if if that turns out to be true, I would certainly I wouldn't have any trouble believing it. Yeah. So so this might run contrary to the purpose of this episode cuz we are discussing it and giving our opinions. I feel very queasy looking at a foreign country like Israel and going in and saying like, "Look, this is the way that you guys need to run your country. This is the way that you guys need to make peace with your neighbors." But if we are being so bold, you know, I mean, that makes me uncomfortable. I think it makes me more uncomfortable for Palestinian people to have no rights to get trampled on, <laughs> exactly. to get bombed, to have children killed, and to have, like, no legal representation. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, so, I mean, I guess one of the things I would say is, why don't we start by... <laughs> Stop giving Israel billions and billions of dollars in weapons. That's blasphemous. That's how dare what you? you just what how just came out of your you? mouth. Yeah, what just came out of your mouth is tantamount <laughs> to uh, anti-Semitism. It's anti-Semitism. Yeah, it's un-American. I know, I know, un-American. Um, right. I'm, so, so yeah, but I'm, like. I'm sorry, Pat. I didn't realize we were doing a show with an anti-Semite. Um, <laughs> oh, how about we yeah, well. condition some of the billions of dollars that we're funneling through? Well, to mostly through Israel and back into our own company's pockets and our own one percent's pockets. Oh, you're but, just suggesting sending rockets to Palestine. What I'm I see. suggesting that is, is a, that's a bold suggestion. Why don't we condition? Some of this stuff that Israel wants from us and feels entitled to from us, and, and condition it. You know, um, how about we don't violate international human rights laws before we give you billions of dollars of like high tech weapons? Okay, here's my plan. You know, it. Everybody laughed at him like, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. You remember when Trump wanted to trade Alaska for Greenland? <laughs> yeah. here's, here's the deal. Alaska, that's a lot of space. And what we could do, there's oil there too, so not bad. Uh, we will give them 
they, we will give them Alaska and they give us Jerusalem. And problem solved. We'll just open up like it'll just turn into an amusement park. Everybody comes in, buys their popcorn and their stuffed animals and stuff like that. And it will work great. Yeah, Alaska is um, holy. Yeah, I'm not sure about this solution. Um, uh, so one I'm, thing, one I, thing I want to bring us back to. One thing I want to bring us back to is that um, you know having allies in the region, having friendly nation states in the region, there is a worry that with uh, democratic representation or or you know the conquest of Israel that we would no longer have the uh, friendly nation state that we have in Israel and that we we have a vested interest in defending them absolutely and making sure that they stick around the other thing is that like how far back do you want to go when you want to say like right by conquest because for all of humanity's history it's whoever could defend the land better whoever could actually hold the land that's their land and to a certain degree i mean that never stopped you know like when would you say is the cutoff that we stopped conquering places and colonizing places because like i mean arguably we're still there oh yeah we know? still have five territories right and yeah those are and, american citizens who aren't allowed to vote and we actively let russia take ukraine i mean it's still going i on. mean we provoked that but Anyway, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that makes it great that Israel has conquered this con you know this territory and is subjugating the people that live there. Um, but like, what what else would you propose? Well, so I think so I think if I can just real quick, there's never going to be a point where we're not friends with the Jewish people. I mean, sure. too too much of our country is is our Jewish Americans and. It is important that we keep good relations with them. However, if you're going to if you have a friend and you see that friend is like beating up a child, you have to kick them in the head and be <laughs> like, what the f are you doing? And like, arguably, I, I think that pretty much sums up where I am. Too. Right. And arguably, we're one of the only people as their friend who can do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we I don't guess... do it because individual politicians need Jewish votes to stay in power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's especially, well, it's very true. It's very true. I don't know. I think about like, like when I was a kid, if my brother and I were like fighting over a toy or something, right? I mean, what did, what did my parents do? Well, they just took it away. Neither of us got it. So I think, you know, why don't we try that? Let's just give, let's give Alaska. I already came up with a solution. Alaska, a place where you can't be too fat or too drunk, where no one says things like, "Let's see your high school equivalency certificate." Well, we're gonna we're gonna give the all that whole like Israel continent, whatever peninsula. We're gonna we're gonna just move. I don't know. We're gonna make that a Hindu nation now. <laughs> and we'll, then, we'll just we'll just swap with another country, like um, you know the the Jewish nation can be formed somewhere else and they can have a Jerusalem too that yeah. they'll pretend is the regular and the the um, Palestinians will do the same and you know but now nobody gets it yeah congratulations Ghana you now <laughs> live in Israel 
Um, I mean, I would love to see democratic representation for the Palestinian people. I'm not sure that that can exist in a one-party system. Like, no, we should maybe explore. Maybe we should maybe explore. Uh, you know, two states, a two-state solution. Um, but I mean, I don't think that it is. Uh, well, it's, particularly working to have just like an unrepresented people with no with no state. So it's it's impo- right. No, they are they are a stateless and nationless people, right? But they the thing is, the two state solution won't work either because you still have the problem of Jerusalem. And what are you going to do with that? Are you going to go east and west Berlin with that? You're going to build a little wall down the middle. You can't. I already I already solved it. I already told you the solution. We we got it. We're good. <laughs> Welcome to Alaska. Here's a thousand dollars. But uh, you know, two state solution won't work. It, it can't work. It, it will never work because of the city of Jerusalem and all of the religious like okay. symbolism there. So all right, well, then barring that, barring that, my solution is we need to stop bombing children. Like <laughs> I am in favor of that too. Human rights are pretty great. Let's let's stop bombing children wow. and let's make that a baseline of how we interact with each other. Hot take machine over here. Ooh, hot take. Is that we're not going to shoot rock? We're we're basically just not going to shoot rockets at each other, and we're going to duke it out in you know politically. We're going to duke it out in courts. Okay, okay I mean new... they're not represented politically. I guess I think right? both I mean, countries problem, put but... forward their their best boxer. And they just duke it out in the ring, and whichever boxer wins, that country gets the whole. There we go. Now you I'll get, go with that you one. You get control for good. the next like four years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good. then you just switch every. <laughs> how about this? A three-state solution where we just uh, bring Ghana back in, like I was talking about, and uh, they get Jerusalem, and they get to d- decide what happens. I don't know. I did so, have one. I did have one thought that I thought might work. Uh, it's just you change the name, you tweak it a little bit uh, from Jerusalem to Precious Moments. Precious Moments. Ah, there it is. Saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> Good transition. I think you're so though. slick. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty slick. Yeah, yeah, you're not bad. Anyway, that didn't go nearly as bad as I thought it could have, so. Congratulations, everybody. We did it. Yeah, I think we made it. I think we we haven't been canceled over this episode yet. Uh, But if you'd like to cancel us, contact us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, Oh, if you really want to stick it to us, go on Patreon and show us what you really think of us. Or in a monetary amount. Or in the (laughs) not-too-distant future, go on PayPal. There you go. <laughs> Give it um, a couple weeks. But All right, so I think I can uh, jump the line and uh, get us started here. Okay, here's what I want to talk about. My supposition is Dolly Parton is a national treasure, and if you don't like her, then you are a monster. Are we, are we well, all on took, the same page? She took my man as well, so that's... <laughs> I, I will say Jolene, arguably one of the best songs ever recorded, uh, specifically by song. her. I mean, she's a lovely person. I yeah, don't and also, care for her music. But well, I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit. You, you don't know. like anybody's music. You like ska, <laughs> end of list. Um, uh-huh. 90s rap. Right. <laughs> but. Classical. Uh, she also, uh, yeah, that doesn't count. 
Uh, Dolly Parton also uh, invested pretty heavily in the Moderna vaccine, and the woods like her investment was not a small chunk of the investment that went into it. It's I mean she's nice. just a great person, but. The other thing that she does is she started a charity called Imagination Library. And what Imagination Library is, is it's a book gifting program. So you sign your child up for it. I believe most of the children are low income. And every month from birth, they are sent a book. They are sent a book as long as they are children. I don't know where the cutoff is exactly, but it's a great, great thing. So these kids that wouldn't have a library or like wouldn't have new books will be getting these things every month and their library is building and building and building. But the other thing is uh, there was just a study done that tested how this affected uh, kids. Now, the study uh, looked at 797 kindergarten aged participants um and they're they're somewhere in ohio i think they're in central ohio but the main important thing is that uh it tracked the number of on track uh children in terms of reading level based on the kids who got these books and kids who did not get the books and on average these kids uh track record was up 15 percent over wow. children who didn't get those books. That's incredible. That's huge. That, that is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Way to go, Dolly. So cool. I love Dolly Parton. I will say uh, when I was younger, uh, my friends and I went on a pretty sizable road trip and specifically went an hour and a half out of our way. I, I want to be clear, an hour and a half each way so we could go take a picture in front of the Dollywood sign. Wow. Like, we didn't actually go inside of Dollywood. We couldn't do that. But we did take a picture in front of the Dollywood sign and in front of the, like, it was funny because it was, like, Dollywood Highway. I remember specifically taking a picture in front of the official Dollywood ATM. Like, it was just, like, a ton of these different things that that were all named after Dolly Parton uh, all along uh, the strip. And it's, yeah, just fantastic. Well, so. if you're if you're just stupid rich, I mean, there are way worse ways to spend your money. I mean, that is amazing that fantastic. You know, those, those, those kids, like their education level throughout their entire lives is going to be affected by the fact that they were early readers. Like, I mean, that's just a mm-hmm. boost throughout your whole life. So, I mean, that's a great investment and... She's Could a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love you, Dolly. So, uh, in a similar vein, uh, with uh, getting kids reading, reading Rainbow's LeVar Burton. Oh, I love LeVar Burton. Also of Star Trek fame. I told Pierce a thousand times I never wanted to meet LeVar in person. I just wanted a picture. You can't disappoint a picture. We'll yeah. be hosting Jeopardy, guest hosting Jeopardy soon. So so this is such a cool story because this started from, like, somebody made some offhanded comment. I think maybe LeVar, like, maybe tweeted about it or something. But the internet f***ing blew up. Like, there were petitions circulating and just everything imaginable trying to lobby to, for Jeopardy to bring in LeVar Burton to host. And right. I gotta say, I think what a fabulous 
option. <laughs> they have a few I, other like guest hosts who who they're trying out to replace Alex Trebek, obviously. But right. oh man, Lavar Burton, I think is just so perfect for it. He's got the that like jolliness. He's got the intellectualness. <laughs> Pretty what sure a funny word to make right up for it. <laughs> <laughs> An ironic think, word to make up, but you know, <clears throat> I mean, I definitely put him up there on that, like, uh, Mount Rushmore only in like a way better play, like a non horrible placed Mount Rushmore of like mm-hmm. American saints or just, yeah. I guess saints in general, in terms of like, you're, we're talking, uh, just a wonderful, like Mr. Person. Mr. Rogers, Bob Ross, uh, uh-huh. LeVar Burton, I think is an excellent one. I mean, Terry Crews. Yes, yes. Uh, so I, I mean, I don't know. I, I there's there's a bunch of people out there who I like genuinely love anything that they would do. They do, mm-hmm. and um, in a world that is so shitty all the time, it's really <laughs> nice to have a few of those kinds of people. And I, I look forward to like I am gonna be watching that uh, that episode that he guest hosts, and I'm gonna be pulling for him to get the. The permanent gig, even though I don't really watch Jeopardy. <laughs> Jeopardy, Jeopardy is great. I'm sure I've talked about it on the pod before, but like when I was a teenager, I would record Jeopardy every day, and I would record Letterman every day, and then I would watch like a several hour chunk of this stuff all weekend long. And uh, yeah, no, it's great. And the other thing about Levar Burton that everybody should know about is he has a spectacular podcast called LeVar Burton Reads, where he reads a different short story uh, every episode, and it is fantastic, and it scratches oh, that itch oh my God. Uh, that you got from reading Rainbow, where he would read yeah. to you, because uh, he has he just has the best reading voice. So, LeVar Burton Reads, go ahead and uh, listen to it after you've listened to our podcast. Our podcast is still first. Sure. Uh, in your heart. He's, he's like a close number two. Yes. <laughs> Well, I su- I have a particularly dark one. I don't, I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Excellent, I'm ready. Um, so they've been searching high and low. Um, there's they're doing this Arizona audit of oh, the sure. election. They've been doing all of these recounts. They're thinking of doing like a Pennsylvania and a Georgia audit after the style of the Arizona one. Um, so they're looking high and low for any signs of voter fraud. Well, I'm here to report to you today that they have found. A case of voter fraud, but it's not Yeehaw. probably what what they were looking for, what they wanted to find. So a Colorado man, Barry Morphew, illegally cast his missing wife's ballot for Trump and then was later charged with her murder. Um, <laughs> he's quoted as saying, I just thought, give him another vote. So, I mean... We've, we've is that found... in regards to the murder or to casting a vote for her? <laughs> no, like, did he kill her vote. to give her so like so that he could steal her vote? <laughs> or... I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's the accusation. I think, <laughs> or did he just I... kill her because he's a horrible person, and then also figured, why not cast a yeah. vote for another per- horrible person? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that maybe one had more precedence in his mind, and the other one was an afterthought. <laughs> But um, you have to assume like he was probably super happy about the big lie because from his perspective, man, how much egg must he have had on his face when Biden won? Like, (laughs) ah, dang. 
Killed he, my wife for nothing. <laughs> he also sent out um, a series of uh, infomercials that were about his missing wife and now stands accused of murdering her, which is just really kind of dark. But um, the- That's like uh, in, in Among Us when you kill someone and then go call the emergency meeting, yeah. A self-report. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the real point of the story is that, um, you know, I mean, this is not the only case that we've found of Republican voter fraud over the years. And it seems like, you know, the the pot calling the kettle black or, or just like, you know, lashing out with a guilty conscience. A lot of the voter fraud that they found has been uh, more leaning to the side of Republicans committing voter fraud. Um, so it's just kind of this rich irony that uh, they've been <laughs> to be clear, not, swearing. Not all of them kill their wives to commit the fraud, right? No, obviously not. But, um, <laughs> there was another guy who uh, sent a ballot in on behalf of his dead mother. Oh my! Um, a, a vote for I Trump. heard about that guy, but presumably he did not murder his mother. <laughs> she just uh, no. I think if they if they were they would be investigating that if if that was the case. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. the case. Um, but like you know, the all of the the big lie, you know, accusing like wide scale voter fraud, and then all like almost all of the voter fraud that we found has been in favor of republicans over the years it's like an overwhelming majority i just think like it's it's a very rich irony it's it's not like a haha irony it's like a sit there and like think deeply about yeah, like, irony please please change your ways and who you trust irony yeah so kind of a bummer for a precious moment but i wanted to get that one in uh, that's i mean re- rest in peace that guy's dead wife. Um, <laughs> I, oh man, it's, it's rough. Um, but I think the thing to sort of focus on is coming up with a catchphrase though. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we give you guys something to think about this week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Do you think we'll get canceled for this one? They've been making me do these every week now, so here's my best impression of Pat. I like Magic Gathering, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, check us out on Facebook or Twitter or Patreon if you're so inclined. Anyway, Antifa's a group. We're not saying anything that, like, other major news outlets aren't saying. I did say Israel at least twice, and I have not heard that on any of the major networks yet. Ah. That's fair. Not that exact phrase. Yeah, that might be cancelable. I don't know. We'll see.